Hi, I'm Barry Coffing uh, with MusicSupervisor.com, and we get artists. If you are an independent artist just getting started, check out GoProduce. Yes, yes, smartest. What's up? This is Barry Coffing. Barry Coffing started MusicSupervisor.com and We Get Music with his music musician and filmmaker friends in a basement bedroom. I apologize. We Get was a little bit later, but we'll get into that. <laughs> no pun intended. They used their own song catalogs and short movies that needed music. And when they needed songs outside of that, they started to build a better mousetrap. We'll look a little bit more into that as well. After asking the right questions, they figured out the easiest way to execute this process. 10 years later, they grown into 10,000 indie labels, 200,000 tracks, and thousands of different placements. With their springboard festivals and music conferences, they're finding the best music in, or indie music across the world, and they're bringing it directly to the marketplace. Smartest, this is Barry Coughing. <laughs> Thanks, Grumpy. <laughs> hey, Grumpy, he's doing a great job from the get-go. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, great. <laughs> and so, and actually, we've actually updated those numbers a little bit. Oh, so let's hear them. Let's hear them. Yeah, we're currently up to 18,000 labels from 78 countries around the world, and the library is over 300,000 tracks. And well, so look you're at pitching. me and the wrong information here. In other no, words, no, so do, it's, you, it's, do it's, your research, man. Do yeah, you research, no, he took it from an old website, but... Uh, but uh, we're um, we're revamping all that. But we pitch uh, we pitch an average of uh, ten to fifteen thousand tracks a month, and the last thirty Dang. days we pitched one hundred and fifty projects. So we are very active. But it's like a lottery ticket, man. The amount of times we got to get people heard to get them in, Woo! not pretty. I hear that. I hear that. There's repetition to it. Persistency, consistency. Wow. Okay. Well, on that note, let's jump right into it. I got a couple of the numbers wrong, but we'll, we'll hear a little bit more about you with the basics. I see. It's the basics. Yes. Um, so I don't know if you think that uh, maybe the grumpy sound guy has a potential in sync licensing. Maybe he could get that in to like a bigger bigger promotional deal, the basic soundtrack? I think so. Well, the, the thing is, is, as someone who's made $750 with the tuba playing the wedding march, I believe that there's a place for Grumpy Sound Guy. There's a place for Thank you. Hey. Definitely. We got I this. I need this to make yeah. $750. Yeah, you, you can make money. You too. <laughs> Please ask me how awesome. much they paid me for these transition sounds. <laughs> Please don't. They got Please what they don't. paid for, right? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Awesome. Okay, so so Barry, there's a whole lot of different things that you can do with your life, but why did you choose music, the music industry, over anything else? There's only one reason to choose the music industry, and it's because you love it. Because then if you love making music, it's one of the, the best, most fun jobs you can do. It's got its challenges, but if if you I get up every day thrilled to go to work and not to, you know, I've I dug ditches before. I've done these other things. Never got up happy to go to work. So to me, I think that's the secret about it. If you're doing it for the money, there are way better ways to make money in way easier Absolutely. ways. If you do it because you love it, you'll be thrilled. Absolutely. Um, um, I like that you said that you did other things. It's not like, ooh, finally this person has made it and like they were born to be an artist. They've sacrificed a lot and they've probably done other kinds of roles to in, in order to su supplement their careers to get to that point. Um, 
So like, it's actually an active decision that one has to make to step away from these kinds of other kinds of traditional jobs to it, enter the world. You know, there's two things, you know, in the world today, the two things that I think that are, that I may not agree with DIY, I think is a crock. No one ever did it themselves. If the Beatles didn't have a great producer and a great manager, they'd still be singing in a brothel in Berlin. So the, the I just don't agree with that. And I also, in, in to a certain extent, I don't agree with the the artist hobbyist, where you go and do your day job and you're going to do your art at night. Um, and it's it's a way to do that if, if that's where it fits in for you. But if you think you're going to do great things uh, because you're freed up because you've got a day job, it's it's a little bit like you know like you got to go all in if you're going to do this and. The best day job to me is another thing in the music business. So while I did stuff when I was a kid, once I became an adult, I was playing in wedding bands. I was writing jingles. I was doing producing records. I was touring everything you could do with music because that's a job that builds your skills for what you're doing. It's like if you want to be – not everybody can be an NFL quarterback, but you can you be in – Professional football, can you make a living in football? Yeah. Same thing with music. You're in no danger of being Beyonce tomorrow. But can you make a nice <laughs> living for your family? You know, yeah, you can't. And it's you'll still be in the music business, but but don't pretend like you, you can control that you're gonna be a rock star, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. you're not. Yeah. There's an element of luck. There's also knowing what Beyonce's life was like, you you wouldn't want that. I mean it's rigorous. It's, rigorous. it's Olympic. It's like Olympic. Well, you level. get up and they dress you. They take you. You don't. They pick your food. They pick your time schedule. You just get up and do what they say. And and like you know, after eighteen months of someone doing everything, when you come off the road, half these people it takes them six months to turn into a human again. You don't have to do anything. No one's going to wake you up and get you out of bed. No one's going to dress you. No one. You know, it's you're a show pony, a really expensive one. But yeah. that, and, but that's not. No one's. In, no one accidentally becomes that famous. You have to work at it. and You have to to give an incredible amount of effort to be that. So no one. No one. I don't want everything. All the fame. Yeah, you're not in any danger, dude. Trust me. <laughs> no. Yes. No. No. It's it's legitimate. It's legitimate, though. Okay. That's uh. It. You make a good point. The the hobbyists, the people that have their day jobs doing whatever else. Fair. If that makes you happy, so be it. But realize. Even even the amount of effort that you're going to be putting in, you're not necessarily going to get that all back. You're going to have to give in more than that which, which you receive. So this, there's a lot of give and take to that. Well, to um, take that in the real world, uh, hey, I want to always want to be a doctor, but not really doctor all the time. So I'm just kind of doctoring on the weekends and on the, you know, what yeah, other yeah. thing would you like yeah. an answer on? Exactly. Uh, like if, you, if you're going, you're doing your wedding, do you want somebody who uh, – is an accountant during the week and uh, plays in a band at night? Or do you want some guy that that's all he does is weddings? You know, get a pro. If you, if I was you, talking to someone about this, actually. Do you want to be good at all of the different things, like have a, a multifaceted tool belt, which in itself is kind of neat? Or do you want to be the guy that people go to for drilling, you know? Yep. For example. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, out of all of your time in the music industry itself, what is the first in, or first lesson that you've learned one that stuck out to you um 
I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the things I believe in. Um, uh, I, I believe in regardless of what you're getting paid, when you commit to do something, you do your best work. You do the best that you can possibly do. Um, when I don't respect people that go in and go, Hey man, they only gave me a grand. So they get a grand's worth of my work, you know? Yeah. Don't take the job then. Uh, to me, you hear that grumpy sound guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's, it's because I always do my best work. Yeah. It's, it's a people business and you, you want to talk about branding. The first brand is this guy. Show, he's a great guitar player. He shows up on time. He knows his stuff. He's the guy, your reputation. It's a small world, man. And really you, you build that. The first thing you build is the integrity in what you do. And also being willing to say, you know what? I'm not very good at that. Being able to, to talk yourself out of a job. There's other people. I can do that. I can do everything. You know, and you get in there and then you disappoint people. And I'm not saying that you can't go stretching and say, hey, look, I've never scored a movie before. But I would love to try on this. And if it doesn't work out, you guys can fire me. Be honest about the, the talent level you're at. But I think it's 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 really always doing the best work so that you're you know making a brand for yourself of, uh, that someone that is professional that that people can rely on. I mean, there's always crazy things that happen, but also do do great work. And then um, you can you know artistically you can branch out. I don't think there's anything wrong. Um, I sort of in my own career, it's a little bit of career suicide. I had about ten years where I would score one TV series, score one movie, do one giant industrial thing, two records and a bunch of singles, and that would be my year. And I loved it creatively. Because every time I got cocky, yeah, I'm tired of these three-minute pop songs. Yeah, I'd go score a movie and go, yeah, 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 I want to go pop songs. Please let me write pop songs. You know, I used I used the scoring movies to, to humble myself, which it is very humbling. And, uh, but it, it, it made me around LA, you could talk to five different people and they would say I was five different guys, you know? Oh, that's Barry. He's a great songwriter. Oh, what a producer. Oh, this guy can score. Hey man, this guy can really write a song. And it, it you don't really, the guys who, you know, again, it's brain surgeons get a lot more money than, uh, than a general, you know, regular doctor. So if you could specialize in something, it's, it's tying into what you said, being the best driller, you know, there's, if, right. if, if you want to be smart financially and stuff, there's there's a there's a there's something to be an ex, being an expert at a certain thing. Very true, very true. I've I've seen that uh, and and I've heard that from a lot of our guests in the past. Um, what do you do? What would you recommend doing, or what did you do at the beginning? Like you said, you jumped around in that in that one year to to scoring, to recording, to songwriting, all of these different kinds of things until it was a point where you found more so your niche, what would you recommend to the individual that doesn't necessarily know what their dramatic or their, their point of interest is? Do you recommend jumping around like, like what you did or yeah. how, how would you go about doing it? There's a, there, the, like, so with my company, we, we have a, an internship program. And uh, this summer we had 17 interns from Berkeley school of music. And what we did is we have a bunch of things that we're doing. So we've got music supervisor where we're doing the supervision thing. We've got all the social media and marketing assets for that and all of our other companies. We've got a conference and a festival that we do every, you know, we're doing these three times a year. We've also got a new software. We're, we're developing a music discovery and streaming platform for independent artists. So we have all these things. So we just said, okay, guys, just like you're auditing class, 
We're going to invite you to every meeting. There's one of these meetings every day. Pick the ones you want to go to. One of the things I kind of believe is find a place of passion. If you can, when you talk to these people, you can find out what they're really excited about. Go find something you like doing and then figure out how to get paid for it. So we had them do that. And some of the people went in thinking they wanted to be a music supervisor, took one look at being a music supervisor, went, I'm out of here. But I love working on the festival. Other people that, man, I just love the social media. I would rather have a root canal than do social media, you know? So you've got to find the place <laughs> in, the, in the business that, that you you mm. like. And so we've had really good success in in helping guide people into that. Take a look at it, you know, audit the class, basically. And once you see how it really works, because there's a way people think everything works, and then there's the way it really works. And a lot of times it can be really radically different. 100%. Don't believe, when you read an article about that, that's the hype. Very few people got discovered in a malt shop. Yeah. You know, the overnight success, yeah, the 10-year overnight success. Don't believe that either. Hollywood wants to tell you a great story. Doesn't mean that they're in the true. business of doing that. They're doing just they're that. Doing, they do it well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it makes yeah. sense. Um, if anything, would you change anything in the music industry? Oh, yes. All yeah. right. Well, lay it on us. Well, <laughs> you guys have caught me at a bad time because we're, we're seeking funding. So I know every stupid number known to man about the music <laughs> business. Now, this will probably be good for about 15 <laughs> minutes. But uh, yeah. Um, I, I think what we found in the music business, or this is my theory, um, we we are being strangled by almost like a three-headed monster. Uh, we are uh, we we have the stuff we have. Obviously, the record labels they're in the music business, but they're in the their music business. They want their artists played, their music, not your music. So they do everything to rig the game for them. Then you've got you know the Spotify's of the world. Uh, they use music as a lost leader. They, they're using music to sell advertising, to draw eyeballs, and to build their audience. So they don't really care about us either. Then the, the most insidious of all, you've got social media. And it is horrible. You couldn't even do this to people. Like, one of the things we got is, oh, let's get the, the new Facebook, Instagram algorithm. You're, and I love these terms. Like, only politicians are the only other guys that use terms like this. Your organic reach. Now I love. I'm a as a lyricist. You got to love that word. But if you would like to use an accurate thing, your artificial limiting is set to five percent. So five percent of all your people. If you've got a thousand fans and you do a post when I'm dropping my new record, please don't believe that Facebook or Instagram are showing your five thousand people. They're showing fifty of them. If they engage and, and interact and it's good for Facebook or Instagram, they'll show you a few more. If you pay them money, you want to boost this post? Yeah, I'd like to reach all 1,000 of my people. Give me 1,000 people. Oh, we'll give you 1,000 people. They won't be your people. There's some of your people and some people we've chosen at random. And can you imagine any other thing where you build up a mailing list of your fans and when you go to send out, you've got a new mailing list program that goes, only send it out to 5%. Which 5%? We don't know. Be random about it. How? Who could fight that battle uh, and, and win? So those three things, when you put them together, they're a big problem. And so uh, there's also things that they do. Like I could go into all the, the crazy numbers, but, but the bad news is that it's really 
that the, the, the United States music accounts for $170 billion in economic impact per year in the United States. It's no small. The average musician makes $35,000. Um, so those are, those are straight. Yeah, those are, those are it. Now in the meantime, while we're all starving, uh, the major labels are making $2.4 million an hour from streaming. 84% of all their income comes from streaming. So this bit, there's no money in streaming. Yeah, there is. Spotify's value is $72 billion. Did you hear that Daniel Ek recently uh, moved or, or proposed that they give artists even less per stream now? You're kidding, they're, really? No, yeah, they're determining this for, for 2023 to 2027, the next term. Yeah, that's, so what you're talking about is the songwriting thing. And that is Ooh. really effed up. So here's the problem. Yeah. I mean, how detailed do you want to get? But these are beginning artists, but whatever. Um, so uh, the only people who can't negotiate in good faith are songwriters and publishers. What they have to do right now, they somebody decides at a, what's called a rate court. So every time when you did iTunes, you know, and they, they sold it for 99 cents, you know, basically in the, in the ballpark of 10 cents went to the writer and publisher. That was determined by a rate court. So what happened is four years ago with all the streaming money, the songwriters and the publishers said, hey, man, we're not getting enough. So they went before a rate court, which is three judges, and said, we need more money. And they said, wow, you guys really deserve more money. Let's give them a 40% raise. Let's get them up to, to like 15 cents or 15% of the revenue in streaming. And immediately when they did that, they were met with a triple lawsuit from Amazon, Google, and Pandora. Apple's the only one who didn't join. They blocked it, so that never was implemented. They won the lower court ruling, but they've lost the upper court ruling. It's not in effect. And now we're about to negotiate again, and the secret thing's leaking out, what you're talking about, is they, like one of the guys from the, representing the, uh, the publishers had a hissy fit about 48 hours ago. He got a look at what they filed. And he can't say everything. They're in a, in a, it'll come out in the next week or so. But they basically F you on the 40% raise. They want to go back to the 10 point whatever. They want to go back to 10%. And with Spotify, they want to go 10% of what? Well, not everything because we have podcasts now. So let's reduce the number of things we pay out. Like, why should I pay a musician if it's a podcast? And then <laughs> Apple, yeah, so Apple, they make money off of iPhones. It's a lost leader for Apple and Amazon because they don't care. And Google, they don't care. So getting 10% of something they can afford to lose money on, they just lower the prices. And so this guy's having battle. a hissy fit. Yeah so, yeah, so that's what you're talking about. So yeah, Shit. they have no intention of paying us properly. Well, but let me give you something. I'll give you the last bit of crazy news to insult you further. All right. Somebody, and then we'll switch segments. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody went over to uh, the UK from Google and, uh, and they, they announced how much and what the numbers are for YouTube. And we've always known it was, it's the number one music discovery site in the world. Um, every month, 2 billion with a B people go on YouTube looking for music. So I've known that number. We didn't know exactly what they were doing, what kind of money. Here's the numbers. 25% of every listening hour on YouTube, they are listening to or watching music. Another 25%, it's movies, games, and other things. But let's just go with the just the music part. 
That means that 250 million hours a day are being consumed on music. And then somebody else lets slip. Guess what? Hey, we've got our last quarter's ad revenue. Well, if a quarter of the time they're listening to music and we've got the quarter of the ad money, I'll bet you they would just line up perfectly. They make $7 billion off of music advertising. Now, as a young artist, if you want to get some of that ad money, you need to have 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 aggregate hours of watching before they'll give you the first taste of the ad money. That there. sounds fair, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where can I sign up? Oh, man. All right. So let's, let's, let's get on to your let's, – let's, let's do a lightning speed round. round. Yeah. Let's do a speed yeah. round. That's a heavy way to end. Yeah. No, you know, I mean it makes sense stuff. though. Yeah. But with that being said – uh, there's a boatload of money there. Yeah. Like the streaming, streaming can make a lot of money. And that's one of the things we're looking at. So as an independent artist, um, you know, the thing I would advise you is there was a period of time where they go crank out the content, do everything, do demos, do this. It's just put the music out there with 45,000 new songs being uploaded to, to Spotify every day. We don't need any more bad music. So take the time make to refine it. Great stuff. Yeah. You know, Spotify, they punish you for not putting out new music every 90 days. They have no clue what it takes to put out a, a, a great recording. And you can't put a new album out every 90 days. And even putting a single, you can't make money off of singles we never could. But the, the biggest thing, if you're going like number one thing that says you're in the music business. And now that we're opening up from COVID, if you can put butts in seats to see you play, you're in the music business, no matter what anybody says. That's what you're doing, yeah. You could sell 100%. a hard ticket, 10 bucks a month or five bucks at the door. They will come see me. You're in the music business. Let's go. Yep, let's do business. Yep. I like you know, that. So that's, uh, that's one of the things. And, but but do you have to do great stuff. The other thing, too, is, you know, I'm going to learn this program. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. But you're up against guys like me. Like, the last record You've I been did. been doing the program. Yeah, it was like. I was there when the program was invented, embarrassingly enough. Um, right, right, right. But uh, but bring in pros, man. Like I've started doing that with even with marketing. Here's my social media person. Here's my this. And people will, will work for less money if they know they're working with a pro organization. You can right. get a good deal on some of the best guys. And you'd be shocked at how much money you save by hiring somebody who knows what they're doing. Like the, the big joke is you think I'm expensive? Hire an amateur. You know, <laughs> see yeah. what happens when you yeah. get some idiot who blows your money. Exactly. Yeah. Nick end up spending money on you again. Yeah. Barry, this is great. Let's, let's jump into the speed round for time. Go. All right. So the speed round itself is, ooh, ooh, I got to play this thing. The it's the speed round. Speed it's the speed round. round. Yeah, that was a terrible take. <laughs> and they kept that that was a terrible take, too. That was a terrible take. Grumpy <laughs> sound guy. Um, that's jokes. Okay, so what we're doing in the speed round is I've got 20 questions for you, and they're just rapid fire. You Ooh. have less than three seconds to answer each, and if you go past that, you're going to hear a buzzer that sounds like this. Or this. Yeah. You know, grumpy sound guy, this is your cue to show the buzzer. <laughs> you're going to hear a buzzer that sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Did you hear that one? Yes, I did. Okay, awesome. That was me putting up my shot just at the buzzer. 
Hey, come on, clever man. guy, clever guy. Okay. So, and, and then we justify afterwards. So we'll just get right into it. Go. What is your favorite activity to do? Produce records. What percentage of tracks are pre-cleared and ready to license on musicsupervisor.com? 95%. What's your favorite meal? Pizza. Dead or alive, who would you like to have dinner with? Oh, shit. I'm going to blow this. Buzz with me. Uh, how, 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 whoa. How does, uh, how does, how much does it cost to register music on musicsupervisor.com? Great. Is water wet? Yes. Make the first sound that comes to your mind. <gasps> what genres and styles of songs and scoring cues do you provide? Everything you can imagine. If music is, if movie is to watch, Netflix is to? Netflix is to stream. Do you have any nicknames? Not really. How did you celebrate the Browns' win over the Texans in late September? Oh, man, you, you controlled me. I had a great time. <laughs> I was there at the, at the opening thing, and it was fantastic. Is this the best? Yeah. Yeah. Is this the best interview you've had so far? Of course. There's hey. no one better than you, Lou. You're the first, the best, the most. Wow. Wow. Well, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you prefer adventure or leisure? Adventure. You once lost an Emmy. Yes. Horrible. Who's an who is an artist that you currently find the most exciting? Uh, walk off the earth. Ooh, cool. The next round is on me. What are you having? Uh, the next round is me? Oh, I'm having a dirty martini. HSPVA was home to one of the greatest turning points in your life? Yes. Shout out Pat Bonner. Yep. Who's your all-around favorite person in the world? My wife, of course, since she could probably hear me. <laughs> what is your favorite city? Uh, I like, you know, I like Houston. And can you imagine a world without music in it? No. Nah, no, bah. see you later. We made it through the speed round. Yeah, I only blew one. Oh, who would I want to dinner with? Oh, that, uh, gosh, that, that was like, yeah, they overwhelmed me on that because I had, a, I had a, a glut on that stuff. Oh, oh, the, the dinner, yes. The, I, I, I don't, personally, I don't know who I would choose right off the bat. In the speed round, that's, that's tough. Um, but the reason I asked about the Emmy is the perspective that you shared it. You lost it, and it's yeah. AKA nominated. So tell tell us a little bit about that story. Because <laughs> no, that, that, I so you're you're making fun of my LinkedIn uh, bio, which yeah, I, I yeah. lost jobs for that because they <laughs> they thought I wasn't serious enough. But I mean, yeah. to me, I think no one's paying me enough to have a bad time. And uh, everybody goes out and goes, oh, is it Emmy nominated this and that? And they're going, Emmy nominated means you lost. Believe me, I was there. <laughs> By 10 o'clock at night, four out of five people lost. And other people are dancing around with the coolest statue you've ever seen in your life. And you're, you're going, that effing thing should be mine. So it is not, it is not happening. And, and I, um, I paid 350 bucks a ticket to bring my parents, got the limo, oh. did the whole thing. Hey, mom, dad, come watch me lose. You know, it'll be great. <laughs> you know, let's have some bad chicken and watch me lose. You know, so oh, that's why good. everybody goes, oh, it's nice to be nominated. Yeah. You don't think that when you're there, man. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least you can see the humor in it, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I would say I'm an Emmy loser. You know? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Grumpy sound guy. With that, on that, on that bright story end, we'll jump into our next segment called What's Yo Take? What's your take? What's your 
I liked the addition you had there. Uh, this is back to open discussion. We do sure. have about, I say, like 20, 25 minutes left on the clock, roughly. Okay. Um, so we're looking for your wisdom. And the theme that we've got essentially is how do music supervisors and publishers elevate an artist's career? So we'll just keep that in mind. Sure. First question I got for you here is uh, you recently participated in a conversation on Clubhouse where the topic was, is the music business in a Great Depression or is it big boom? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your opinion on that from, from the perspective from an upcoming artist? Like, how can we use this information? Uh, you know, the music business, it is the Wild Wild West show. Um, I subscribe to the Mark Twain quote, which is history doesn't repeat it rhymes. Um, I think that we're about to go into a roaring 20s. We've got a whole generation of people who realize, just like they did in the 20s with the last pandemic, that your time on this earth is short. So the last time they did that, they partied so much we got prohibition. You know, these guys are going to kill themselves drinking. Now they're going to make pot legal. Oh, my God. Lions and tigers and bears. So I think we're going to have some people that really want to party like it's 1999 at last. So I think there's going to be a, a real big part of that. And one of the jokes I always tell is when you talk about music, the value of it, uh, someday we will run out of oil. Someday there will be a cure for cancer. But as long as we are on this earth, there will be music. So we're it's the one thing that's not going away, in my opinion. So you're in a growth that's awesome. business. That's awesome. Okay. Well, enough said there. Um can you break down the, the, the specific role of a publisher and then how would they help elevate an artist, whether they're like, what kinds of ways can a publisher help an artist? So are, are, you've got independent guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal with a publisher. Real publishers that are going to give you advances and stuff like that. That's that's what they're doing. They're they're advancing money because they believe that your songs are have great value. If someone's signing your publishing and they're not giving you any money, no advance, they're not doing you any favors. Don't take a publisher. I got a publisher. Man, that is, you know, you have to have a publisher that's going to do a great job for you. And a real publisher, they go in, they say, okay, I'm going to give you $50,000 this year. You owe me 12 songs, 100%. And they're going to give you tip sheets. They're going to put you up with co-writes. Like a, the way a real publisher works is is really a, a wonderful thing. However, that is not what's happening these days. Publishing is not near as vibrant. A publisher will come knocking on your door. You know when they wanted to sign me? Right after I wrote a number one hit. Hey, we'd love to sign you. Yeah, you mean after I don't need you? And that's, that's how you'll know it's a real publisher. If you're an independent artist, you never had a hit. There's a really good, publishers do not sign talent anymore. They sign business partners. There are two people that are getting signed right now. Somebody like me that that can write and produce. You know, they want to sign producers and they want to sign artists. Because if you sign an artist, you're going to get 12 songs on their record. If you're going to sign a producer, they're going to be working with all kinds of other artists. Me as a publisher has to do nothing and I'm going to get a piece of all those because he's going to co-write on every record he works on. So they're, today, they're looking for partners. And the same thing with as an artist. 
Labels don't sign you for talent. There's no talent development. Indie labels will, but major labels, if you don't have 3 million spins on Spotify, they can't, they, a lot of them can't sign you. I know guys at major labels have to go gin up the numbers on the bands. They want to sign them because they're good, but the higher ups won't let them do it until they've got a bunch of shit going on. That's Sorry. interesting. Wow. That's why okay. I'm going to tell you what I really see. Yeah, no, absolutely. It makes yeah. sense. Does it, uh, do you think it makes sense for, for an upcoming artist or producer to sign to a publisher um, to give themselves an extra boost? Or is it like, let me be cautious about these kinds of deals because I obviously have to be a functioning business on my own before because they want to be a partner. Yeah. So, so, it comes down to if somebody's going to sign you and they're going to go big Lou, you are so talented. Oh my God. We love you. Marjorie loves you. Everyone thinks you're a hit. We want to sign you publishing. And you go, great. Uh, what's the advance? Well, we don't really have an advance, but we're going to work real hard for you. All right. If you insist on doing that, do an exit clause 12 months out. If I don't like what you're doing, I take all my stuff and I go home, have a reversion clause. Always, always, always. You, once in a while, you got to trust people, roll the dice if you feel real good about them, but always give yourself an escape hatch. Interesting. So so it's probably in your best interest if you're trying to come up with any kinds of deal or any kind of contract, find yourself an entertainment lawyer before you sign anything. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't ever sign anything without having a lawyer look at it. Okay. And, and then uh, how long... Would you say you know, that, these problems that you're bringing up? Most of your people don't have this problem. The number ahead. of people watching this that have a, the, the struggle of somebody wants to give me a publishing deal. One, either it's a bullshit deal or two, they don't have that problem. That's I mean, it. once That's in a while, there'll be something good. That's not their big problem. What the real question is, how do I write a song that that people start calling me about? There's two things in business. You can be a sales funnel where you try to suck everybody in. Look how great I am. Look how great I am. Or you could be a magnet where they're drawn to you. Hey, I'm just doing my thing. You know, I'm, I'm writing songs and, oh, I put it on this one artist. Uh, and uh, it just seems to be blowing up. So as a songwriter, you know what I would do? And this is what I advise. I call it the three ways to win. Let's hear it. You, you can't work any harder generally. If you're really a hardworking guy, you got to work smart. So let's say I'm going to write a song. I want to write a song. I'm going to go, hey, I want to first off get as many partners as I can. Lou, you want to do a record. You want to get a record deal. I just want to write and produce. How about I write and produce something for you? I'm going to do it. You're going to donate your time. Maybe we'll split the recording cost. Maybe I'll front it, whatever. Um, but you can have it. And I want to do it in a style that you love, that you are going to run out and play every place. And you're going to go try to get a record deal with that. But I also want the rights to give it to Barry because he's going to pitch it for film and TV. That helps both of us. Isn't that great? The third thing, if I go over and I find, you know, uh, Ed Sheeran's over staying at this hotel, I got a killer demo of Big Lou singing my song going, Ed, this should be for you. You know, not that Ed's going to do it, but you know what I mean? Now you got three ways to win. It's a, It acts as a great song demo because it's a master. You've got an artist running around trying to place it, make it famous. And you've got the ability to put it in film and TV. Any one of those things can help give you your money back and make your song and you more valuable. Three ways to win. Demo, partner with an artist, pitch it to film and TV. That's a, it's a fairly simple recipe. I mean, like, 
once you've got your product, do those things. It may not hit every single time, but get into the routine of doing that. And each time you get a little bit better and you're bound to bound to win. Well, and also too, I, I've done that with artists. There's an artist that uh, had very little money and I did two songs on him, but I spent every dime. I wanted to have a horn section. So I had a sax player do seven tracks and all this stuff. And my wife's going, why are you spending all this time? You're spending all the money. I'm going, because it sounds good. I'm doing it great. I want it to be great, you know? And two years later, he goes, man, I just got asked to score a TV series and I wanted somebody to work with. And I thought of you and he and I ended up being partners. We did the music for the pyramid with Donny Osmond. And it was five day a week game show, double airing in 40% of the markets. And we, for two years, we were making $150,000 each a year for not getting out of bed because I did a great job for him on his record. Way back when. That's beautiful. Yeah, it comes back, man. May not, maybe not always. Maybe this guy tells a friend. You don't even have to worry about that stuff. Always do a great job. Always, you know, be a nice guy. Be true to your word. Nice guys do finish well. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how you didn't say last because it's not. It's not the end. Yeah, it's not the end. That's a great thing. If you're a composer, man, you know, you can go on till forever. Literally. Till um, yeah, till you drop off. <laughs> As a, as a composer and you've got your experience, starting from baseline, like you've mentioned, um, what makes a song great? You know, we don't have room for good songs anymore. We need to make great songs. So uh, I'll tell you what's much to my chagrin. Two thirds of it's the melody, the groove, the feel. Um, most people don't care about the lyric. I would say two to two at two thirds of them. I smell like I sound. And I'm hungry like the wolf. Yeah, really? I'm lost and I'm found. Uh, wow. Is that great work of art? No. Are but you the wolf? people that love lyrics, they're going to be the guys that listen to your music a thousand times. The Adele songs and things like that, they will wear them out. They're harder to get placed, but good lyrics, I think everything means something. One of the biggest mistakes I, I see, there's also there's structural mistakes. You know, where you've got to learn what's an AAB format, when do you lead with the chorus, when do you do whatever, what do you want the song to do? Because everything means something. Every chord, every melody, every word. If you've got a great lyric and it sings like shit, change the lyric. Sometimes I love you more than I can say is much better than the, the clever lyric you've got. If it doesn't sing well, you got to fix it. It's got to be singable. And you got to make sure that you're, you're accenting the right syllable. You know, you have so many right. people like, you know, I love you, baby. And then, you're the, you know, you're going like, <laughs> what? Like, what is it? I love you. And you're, you know, make, make, make the melody melt the lyric, you know, make sure that when it goes up, that's an important, like there are important notes. There's a, the only thing I learned in music school in college, which I failed at twice, by the way, uh, <laughs> is a thing called an agogic accent. If you set a pattern and you break it, Whenever you break it, it's accentuated. So it's, mm. I want to tell you that I love you. Well, the love is the most important thing. It can be the reverse too. I love you very, very much. You right. know, whenever you break whatever you're setting, it's, your ears are drawn. And at a certain point, uh, it becomes a bag of tricks. Songwriting is not two plus two equals four. It's Papa's got a brand new bag. Like, I, I wrote a song with a, an artist named Darby Sean and the song's called Ghost and you can get it on Spotify. 
It is the weirdest effing arrangement I've ever done. We couldn't think of any other way to do it. We do not do the second verse until after the bridge. Oh. And the whole oh. time we're going like, does this, does this feel right to you? Like, yeah, we, like, like we didn't disagree, but it's a weird ass. I've never written a song like that, you know, and it was right for that song. So you, you need to know the rules, but you don't have to follow them. You know, know when you you're breaking. To, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be aware of them. Know that you're being crazy. The other thing too, is you <laughs> want to cheat and be commercial. Start with the chorus. You're doing something for radio. Boy, there's a there's a number one cheat because by the time, like normally radio, they want to make sure that you've got to you've got to have finished your chorus by the one minute mark. Well, right. if you start with the chorus, you might have finished two choruses. Songs right now are getting shorter. Um, they're getting back to beatly times. Like again, everything kind of cycles back around. Mm. Uh, but there's there's some tricks and stuff, and learning that's the songwriting stuff can be really helpful. So the songwriting stuff seems so fascinating, like. I've, I've, I have my fair share of it. And fortunately I haven't really encountered a situation where I'm, I'm butting heads with another songwriter or, or a co-writer. Perhaps you have, I'm curious to know how would you, or how did you handle it? Or how would you recommend handling a situation where you're in the studio, you're doing some work. I want to go in this direction. You're like, no, this is trash. And all of a sudden it's kind of an awkward separation. How do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Cause I've written in a bunch of different ways. Um, so, yeah, the first thing is, who's the song for? If you and I are songwriters, but we're writing it for Grumpy Sound Guy, let's let Grumpy Sound Guy, do you like his idea or mine? You know, that's a, that's the first way to break all ties. The other thing, too, is it's never wrong to try it. Okay, let's try it your way. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, I'm playing it. Eh, okay, now let's do it my thing. Let's get a good running start. So you try to build a consensus going, what do you think? Um you can be ridiculous and try to do it both ways, but generally somebody gives way. Um, and if, if it isn't, you go, and maybe since we can't see eye to eye on this, what do you say we start a different one? You know, why don't we just uh, go back from scratch? Because if you want to turn this into a reggae tune, if we're going to do a reggae tune, let's change the lyric. Let's start, you know, let's go do a reggae tune this way. Um, but I, I try not to be in a big fight on the songwriting thing. And generally, it's very rare. I have a few people that like three-way rights where you got three people. Most of the time, it's like all three ways. Two people doing something, another person watching. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, but oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> once in a while, you get where it's a real three people contributing. You know, right. and that's always exciting. You know, um, from a songwriting standpoint, uh, you really legally are only writing the song if you write the melody and the lyric. There is no copywriting accord or an arrangement. But with, with that being said, I've got a guy named Mark Hugenberger that I write a lot of jazz stuff with. And he was Natalie Cole's MD, an incredible piano player. So he, I'll do the melody. He'll do the chords. I've got a, a lyricist named Julius Robinson that works with me, a music supervisor. Mm -hmm. We write, you know, he writes a great lyric. So I'll go and tweak his lyric. Mark will tweak my melody. I'll tweak his chords. Everybody does their thing. At the end of the day, it really has that a third, a third, a third feeling, you know? And, and so that's time. always nice to do. I love doing that kind of stuff. And we've right. never had an argument. Like, it was like, just easy. Cohesive chemistry. I like that. I yeah, like that. it was really good. Awesome. We are getting near to the end of this segment. Um, I, I do want to know 
a brief summary of four for the newer artists. Just give them a, a, a decent understanding of what a supervisor is and how they can begin interacting with them to elevate their careers. So you've got to understand that a music supervisor can be a wide ranging job. It can be a guy who shut up, bitch, go get me a, a Doobie Brothers song, <laughs> you know, um, or it's you're a partner in the whole thing. You're breaking down the script saying, I hear reggae here and being treated like this. Um, the two things, one thing you have to understand is a music supervisor is not the be all end all of the music. When I pick something, like I'm supervised, I've got five projects that I'm directly supervising right now. And uh, so I got to go, if it's a film, the the generally generally the butt I got to kiss is the director. They've been working on that thing forever. They've got a vision. So I, I am there to communicate his vision and to translate. This guy couldn't talk to a composer of his life depended on it. You know, we just, I just say in, in this kind of a club, I think they'd be listening to this. This age person would listen to that. This makes the scene happen. So I'm, I'm dealing with him. If you're in production on a TV show, the showrunner or the producer is the, the final say. Like with, with Walking Dead and all those things, they're on a production schedule. It's so tough that they've got five directors for the season. You're doing show 101, 105, 109. So they you can't let five different directors pick the musical style. So yeah. the producer says, we're going for this. We know what this character likes. We knew this. So those are the power brokers. And if you're doing advertising, it's the ad agency. Do not, if you've got a great idea for Chevy, do not reach out to Chevy. Because if you reach out to Chevy and they love it and they take it to, to their big ad agency they're paying a million dollars to, the ad agency is going to kill your idea and give them 500 reasons why it sucks. You really want to get it in Chevy? Look up who, go to, go to Adweek, look up who the ad agency is. Submit it to them. Hey, I've got this great idea for Chevy. Let them present it to their client that they're already making a million bucks off of. So that'll save you a boatload. You go straight at the client. I, I've never seen it happen. Because That's you've got a cool. really smart guy. Once somebody tells you, you go, oh, yeah, I get it. Right, 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 right. It makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. Okay, okay, perfect. Uh, on that note, we've got one final segment. This segment is called Clear the Air. All you right. Know, I, think I think he's just trying to get some screen time with that stuff. <laughs> you, got me, you got me there. You're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, his awesome. is, is grumpy guy talking. Quit it. Stop. <laughs> I am also the talent of the show. The talent. The talent. The good looks. Yeah, all, all of it. it. All of it. Once um, again, I see nothing wrong with, with, with grumpy sound man's sound guy's look. You know, he's got it. He's got it going on. He's got it going yeah. on. He's dark, Very... mysterious, you know. <laughs> dark and mysterious. Very yeah. good adjectives. You're not not misplaced adjectives. Um, clear the air. It's very quick. We've got two questions here. One is from a fan, one of our smartest, by the name of L. Markey. And then the second question is going to be coming from our very own grumpy sound guy. So let me <laughs> share with you Barry's question. For, or sorry, you're Barry. Let me share with you. El Marquis question. Hello, Barry. My name is El Marquis. What does your creative process look like? What do you do on dead creative days? Does that help you recharge? Yeah. Okay. So uh, um, my process is depending on what I'm working on. If I'm writing with, a, with an artist, obviously I'm having a lot of, 
I try to be the shrink for the artist. And so I want to know what's their vision. What do they believe in? What do they love? Because if you don't, if you aren't making the record the artist wants to make, they will abandon you. They will, you know, even if it's the record they should make, if it's not the record they want to make, you're going to fail. So I try to make sure that I have the same vision as the artist in terms of writing for that project. If it's a film, I'm looking at the script, uh, you know, I'm clicking it out. So if I'm writing for a film, I try to get a hold of, I certainly try to get the script, but I also try to get a hold of picture and I'll put a click track on it. So you can put a click and go door slam, car crash. Here's what's going here. And once you get a tempo, then you start to kind of put some chords. Is it major? Is it minor? All that kind of stuff. If I'm just writing something uh, from scratch, it's great for me to do. I like to work at midnight when I'm alone and sad. Sad guy writes much better songs. So that's my creative process. If I'm uh, if I'm struggling with the, with the creative process, first thing I do is change my environment. If I'm inside, I go outside. Uh, swimming, walking, driving, great things for writing lyrics. While I'm driving, your conscious mind is engaged. Then your subconscious mind goes, what about, you know, that stuff. The other thing, too, is the number of great lines I've found uh, going to the bathroom. Wait, I got the other line, you know? Oh, my God. It's another thing where conscious mind is going, don't pee all over the, the floor, and subconscious mind just came up with a great <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, some of those kind of things, but but physical things that can kind of exhaust you or go to the beach, go out in nature, anything to change your environment gives you a chance to come back because Boy, I know about being creative on demand. Man. Reintegration. Uh, yeah, you have to be able to get yourself back in that mode. Uh, the other thing I'll do is have three three projects at once, where I'll go. I can't write on this song. Let me go work on this other one because that's a way to extend it too. You can uh, write yes. on this, and then I'll go back to this. So Switch I like that two or three projects. That's another. Got you. Way. Bottom Got line: you. take a, take a laxative. That helps. Yeah. I spend more time in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I won't say the number of things. That's a really good thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh shoot or shit. Yeah, I'm not gonna say there's no pads in my around my toilet, but but that's jokes. And thank you, El Marquis, for your question. That was a phenomenal question. Very phenomenal response. Now, Grumpy Sound Guy, can you share your question, please? Barry, I'm curious. What do the Royal Studios Memphis and Boo and Willie's Mitchell Grammys mean to you? <laughs> You caught me fondling them. So, all right. So I do have a, a thing for fondling other people's awards. Um, my best fondling job was uh, um, I was with the with uh, the lyricist who wrote Titanic. And he also wrote um, uh, just a bunch of like Will Jennings has written like a ton of hit, hits. And I used to sing his demos. So I, I said, all right, I'll sing this demo, but I get to fondle your Oscar and and your, your Emmy. So I did find them. The Oscar's heavier. The Emmy's good. Grammys are, I'm sorry, Grammys are way, way a third. But, but I love following the, 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 uh, the, th the uh, awards. The, the great thing about that studio is that the grandfather had won, uh, you know, like a big, he did all the Al Green stuff. And so Boo and, and, and uh, Una Mitchell, um, they, uh, they, they are the grandkids and they're running the studio. And, uh, and so, uh, they got, they got one for the Uptown Funk or Boo did. Right. So I was holding Boo's and his grandfather's, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That studio is so historic, man. I yeah. love going in there. Like that's the, awesome. If those walls could talk, holy crap. Yeah. 
yeah, I got to make my way over there one day. Let's see if it happens. Um, that's that was that was Grumpy's question. Barry, we are at the ends. Do you have any final words? No, I just uh, I would say uh, I think music is in flux, but but boy, do we need music. We need things to bring us together now more than ever. Agreed. And so keep an eye out. We've uh, with musicsupervisor.com, We're we're about to roll out something called. Uh, uh, well, we can't, can't say what it is, but we're going to be doing a new streaming and discovery site that will pay five times more than Spotify. So, Yo, you've got my attention. I'm considering moving away from Spotify in, in a little bit, but that's a whole other topic. Um, um, MusicSupervisor.com, is that the best place to find you anywhere else? Yes. Yeah, that's 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 the, the best place. And, and I'm, I'm not hiding. If you, you can find me on LinkedIn and all that stuff. Okay. Um, okay. If I'm doing business to business stuff, I like uh, LinkedIn and I like emails in terms of preferred contact because I've got all these folders. I, I get a hundred emails a day, listen to my song, you know, right, right, that right. kind of stuff. So I, the, the other thing to do is if you're going to be reaching out to people for that, uh, do a little research, find out what they're working on. Like if you're going to go a, approach a, a supervisor directly, do not go, Hey, what are you looking for? We get emails like that every single day. And here's my tip. You're going to cold call people. There's three things that that get you to uh, really have something happen. One is Big Lou said you were good. If you've got a friend that they respect, you know, tell them I sent you. First thing they'll get me to listen to your stuff is you're referred by somebody I know and respect. Second thing, amazing photo. If I see an amazing photo where I'm going, like I may only listen, I get 100 emails, I may listen to to two or three songs a day. Cause I can't, if I sat there and listened to songs, I wouldn't get my work done. But if I see an amazing photo where I go, man, I got to hear this band and I want to know how they got that giraffe to hold still. I don't know. I gotta, I gotta see this. The other thing too, it's the elevator pitch. It's a one line thing. Like you were doing an elevator pitch and it can be something like, uh, her voice sounds like a buzzsaw dipped in honey and lit on fire. <laughs> All right. Fuck. Okay. I'm clicking play. You know, so if you're going to cold call, better have those things, one or all those things, you know, yeah. in display. If you're going to have a photo, intrigue the shit out of me with that photo, you know, and there's different forms of intrig intriguing, you know, right, make right, right. me want to make me have to hear what that cool. is. Right. Right. Yep. Visually. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. very cool. Very cool. Okay. I will make sure to include those notes in the, in the show notes as well. All those links and, um, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Barry, this is the end of the episode. Um, smartest, Thanks. quick message for you. If you want to find us at all, connect with us, other like-minded individuals, check us out on our uh, Facebook group. You can find that at goproduce.ca forward slash groups. I will be there. My name is Big Lou, and I want to see you there. We out.